0: Welcome to the Theatre of Others podcast. My name is Adam Marple and I'm the co-artistic director of the Theatre of Others. With the COVID-19 pandemic forcing a shutdown and re-evaluation of space and gathering, we at the Theatre of Others are thinking about what stories we need and how best we can share them. We believe space is psychology and it informs the way in which an audience interacts and reacts to what is presented to them. We create uniquely theatrical events in bespoke sensory performance spaces crafted to encourage curiosity and grant the audience permission to commune with the play. Now that that space has moved online, how can we encourage interaction and action amongst an audience virtually? The Theatre Brothers produces plays that both welcome and challenge the audience. We are committed to international collaboration and are a laboratory that helps artists grow through intensive study of their craft. On the podcast today, joining from Melbourne, Australia, are Booty Miller, co-artistic director of The Theatre Brothers, and myself in Puebla, Mexico. The Theatre Brothers creates a shared community of artists and audiences for the purpose of exploring the most profound issues of our lives and times. We believe the play watches the audience. The audience is necessary, and they are witness to what happens. And you get to be witness to us making that happen. The purpose of this podcast is to open up our process and let you in. We're peeling back the curtain, so to speak, and encouraging you to follow along, to ponder, prod, and question, to join us and criticize us if need be. Being a witness is no passive task, and it requires much from you. Are you up for the journey?
1: Hi, Adam. Hi, Booty. How you going? Well,
0: well, it's been a crazy week. Oh,
1: really? Do tell.
0: Um, uh, well, okay. Um, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be in Mexico for much longer.
1: Oh, okay. And what does that mean?
0: Um, I've... Got some new opportunity. Oh shit! uh, To do stuff. So, um, I am the new assistant professor of directing at American University in Cairo. Boom. So I'm gonna be moving to Egypt. I'm clicking for you. Yeah, I'm moving to Egypt. (laughs) Uh, So my my girlfriend and I are moving to Egypt. My girlfriend who is. Zoomed now to my your wife. fiance, she's not, fiance. not a girlfriend anymore. She's that's not right, a girlfriend my anymore. My fiance, who uh, what's your fiance's
1: name? Fan. Fan. Congratulations, fan. Congratulations, yeah. fan. Congratulations yeah. Adam. It's Thank amazing. You. That's amazing. Yeah. You're gonna be. Yeah, that means that's... you're moving closer to me. Exactly. Exactly. Yay! <laughs>
0: I'll be right there in the middle of everything. Uh, it's, it's literally it's crazy. It's literally. <laughs> I mean, I'm. Five hours from India, four hours from Rome, uh, eight hours from Singapore. I'll only be eight hours behind you instead of seventeen. So, <laughs> Yeah It's gonna be it's gonna be fantastic. So we got that we got that great news on uh, God, Monday or Tuesday, mm-hmm. and um, and so it had the highest of highs and really fantastic. For it, was really feeling great about all of that, and then that evening we found out, <laughs> fans dad has COVID.
1: yeah so So
0: we we had invited them over to dinner to tell them to kind of like you know present the everything all this great news for us and then they said oh we can't come over you know we've got a quarantine and whatnot so it's been a crazy week ups and downs and highs and lows and everything else and trying to figure out visas and moving and all that but um yeah i'm feeling really excited scared but scared in a good way not scared frightened but like scared excited and you know starting life over in a new country and a new culture again but i should be used well, to it now so
1: well that's 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 <laughs> a di- that's exciting stuff but yeah, i'm really exactly. ha- sorry to hear about your father in law is he is your father in law to be is how's he going since since the he's diagnosis healthy
0: he's healthy he's strong he's 72 uh but he's healthy and strong so Ooh. um i'm more worried about her mom her mom is uh not as healthy as her dad like her dad her dad is he's a hardy guy. I feel like he's going to kick this. No problem. But if it goes to her mom, cause they're living together, obviously if she gets it, we're worried about her. So one of those things where it's just like, you know, it is, it is abstract until it hits and you know, Mexico doesn't yeah. have vaccines.
1: So <sighs> Yeah. Well, you know, on the flip side, my grandmother got the vaccine. My grandma got it. My, my uncle has the 10 days to get his. My mom's still like trying to get hers, but, and our family in India is getting vaccinated as well. So it's slow process, but it's happening. It's happening, which is really great, which is really great.
0: My dad got his. My mom, uh, my stepdad got his. My mom is not of the age yet, so she has to wait a little bit
1: longer. <laughs> oh, wow. And... So that must made her feel good. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm still young and, you know, available. Nah. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. She, she, she want, she's ready to retire
0: and stop doing things. She, she's just like, just oh, yeah. let me fair be old. Fair enough, fair enough. Just fair let enough. me be old. You know. <laughs> get my, get my <laughs> AARP. A- get over it. Get over it. Get my AARP discount. <laughs>
1: Hmm, the double yeah. AARP discount. Can't miss that one. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> yeah. I, look, I'm really excited. So when we talk about that you're in like the center of our universe on, on on the planet, what does that mean? Like how far are you away from us? How far are you away from America? How far are you away from Singapore? What's the, the, what's the vicinity that you are living in now? Where you're, you're going to be living in, in Cairo? Cairo. So I can't believe I have a friend in Cairo. That's the coolest yeah, thing to say. Yeah, it's, my best friend is in Cairo. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's pretty badass. Um so I'll be uh 12 or 14 hours away from New York. Okay. Um and so 4 hours from 4 hours from Rome, uh five Amazing. or six, 6 hours uh from Paris, uh, 7 hours from London. Um I could go to Cyprus in 45 minutes. I can go to Istanbul in an hour and a half, Uh, Mm -hmm. four hours, four hours, five hours to India, uh, six hours to South Africa, three hours to Kenya, Mm -hmm. uh, eight hours, nine hours, Mm. sorry, nine hours to Singapore, and then whatever, add another eight on on top of that to get to you (laughs)
1: in Melbourne. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's still, it's, it's still closer.
0: It's a lot closer than the twenty-seven hours I am away from Singapore so now and good. the thirty-five I am from you now. Yeah. It's it's so much easier to get around. I mean it literally yeah, is well, yeah, yeah. centralized and everything.
1: Yeah. It's it's really great. So what do you know about Cairo? What do, what do you know? What's what's Cairo theater about?
0: Cairo is really interesting because it, it has this kind of double place in I mean, it is Africa, but it is so not Africa and it is the Middle East, but it's also so not the Middle East. One of the things that that why Egypt, why we know ancient Egypt so well, is because it, it is Cairo and Egypt itself is kind of an island in that it's surrounded by water to the north and desert to the east and the west and the south. So, you know, the Nile and everything that is around the Nile survived and helped every everybody to survive there. And so they were isolated for the longest time. Nobody wanted to invade because you had to get through the desert to get to Cairo. You had to get to uh to those kingdoms. And so that level of uh, history and everything has permeated through the through the um through the years. And so even with um the the advent of Islam and everything else, it has still kept that kind of we are separate from everywhere else. They're in the Arab world, but they are not hmm. like their Arab brethren. And so um Egypt, Egyptian Arabic is different than all other Arabic, so that's unique that way. And it, in Ooh. Egypt sees it, Egypt sees itself as the intellectual capital of the Arab world. So you know, in in most
1: uh, most countries, <laughs> that's kind of know, shady. That is kind of shady.
0: Well, that's that's how <laughs> they see themselves because because they see themselves they see themselves more liberal. Than, the, than their brethren. And so, whereas most of the other Arab countries okay. don't have theater because of the the taboo of representation in Islam, uh, Egypt doesn't have that. Egypt has a really strong, thriving, experimental uh, theater scene, uh, kind of akin to how Iran has a very experimental theater scene as well. So, um, and because the, the university that I'm going to be going to, American university in Cairo, um, is an American kind of founded university and really strong kind of ethic in that. Um, Mm -hmm. There's some, there's really great interest in um, theater making and, and being the program in the Arab world if you want to go get your, you know, if you're, if you're a student and you want to be an actor, there's not many places or any places in the Arab world to go to and as as well in Africa, Northern Africa Mm. especially. And so then we're also going to be trying to make a master's program. And so I'm really excited about that because it will be the only
1: one in that region. Yeah, so. Amazing. Did you hear that, y'all? Y'all can get your masters in Cairo with Adam. (laughs) Amazing.
0: Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it
1: goes. Amazing. Wow. Well, that's some big news. Yeah. That's some really big news.
0: So, I'm excited about you better that.
1: tell Galtney excited. before we release this podcast because yes, he'll be thrown through if he I hears know. this podcast and you haven't spoken to him <laughs> no
0: yeah it's 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 a slow kind of letting out letting everybody know i've 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 told very few people you were the you were the third person i told so yeah well uh,
1: th- well you know we had to you know we had to talk about you know the job yeah. and figure the out job. the best things yeah, for you exactly. that's because exactly. that's what we do y'all that's yeah. what adam and i do you know when big when big changes in our life happen we call each other like what should i do how's it look mm-hmm. i need your mm-hmm. i need your perspective <laughs> yeah adam i'd like you to meet akshay tell yeah, me what well, you think that's that's a good day yeah,
0: that's a good day. yeah oh yeah, yeah.
1: exactly <laughs> exactly you know yeah It's it was that was did we tell that story did, mm-hmm. did we tell that story? Uh, we might have heard yeah, yeah, it yeah. earlier in the podcast, but essentially, y'all, uh, when when uh, Adam met, I, well, well, we have to tell him now, but we just brought it up again for our for our newer listeners. So basically, yeah. the love of my life, my husband, when he met Adam, <laughs> he went to uh, at at this uh, restaurant that we were at in Singapore, and he went to the loo, and then uh, I turned to Adam, I said, "So what do you think?" And he literally said, "You're you're marrying him, right?" Yeah, and I was like, "Yeah, I think I am." <laughs>
0: <laughs> and you had you had only just kind of met, like you'd maybe known each other for maybe a month,
1: maybe three. It, we yeah, well, we were friends for like three, four months, and then. I, you know, with my sister pushing me into, you know, getting serious with him and you going, you know, you met him after my sister was like, I don't know why you're not with Akshay. And I was like, huh? What? We're Mm. friends. And, you know, she went through the whole list of reasons why we were compatible. I was like, okay, well, let me see if he's into me. (coughs) Excuse me. And then, uh, and then he was, he was just basically waiting for me to, you know, catch up and realize that this is it. This is it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. This is it. You don't have any other choice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and now we have a baby, and we live in Australia. Y'all, for those new listeners, our baby is a little black cavoodle named Obama. Who, mm-hmm. by the way, uh, it's, 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 it's Obama check-in. I'm sorry, Adam, because we <laughs> had a moment. It's Obama check-in time. We went to the park. Okay, so this actually is not about Obama. This is about... <clears throat> The dog owners in the park. There is this... It's so interesting. Because they don't fucking care about the other adults and the human beings. Oh, no. They're into the dogs, right? So, like, when your dog meets another dog, they're like, so what's your dog's name? And what's your dog's name? You know, and and I told Akshay, I said, see, look, everybody loves our dog because they love his name. They love saying his name. Mm. And so... And Akshay's like, yeah, what? Yeah, is that what you think? I said, Akshay, it's all about the branding. Hello, it's your that's your whole life. You understand this? Why? Why do you not understand why people love this dog? Yeah. <laughs> so uh-huh. then, like, I I introduced myself to this one lady, and she was like, <clears throat> oh, she was taking a back. She was taken aback because I was actually talking to her and like introducing myself. She goes, oh. Oh, you have to learn the etiquette of the dog the, the, the dog park. And I was like Oh She's wow. like, You're a newbie, aren't you? And I was like, Um, yeah, I'm a newbie, but what does this mean? She goes, Well, you know, first thing you have to figure out is who are your real friends because there's Chinese she said Chinese whispers. Oh. She had she said Chinese whispers. Oh. And I was like, Okay, Chinese she, whispers. Okay. She was interesting in this moment. She also well, they, it turned out like later on in the conversation, she was talking about a, a, another person that was um, giving um, ham out to the dogs that was at, at the that was working at the cafe, and she called her the Ham Lady. And then someone said uh, she doesn't identify; uh, they don't identify as a woman; they're non-binary. She goes, "Oh God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry." And I was like, the you should say the Ham Them." <laughs> <laughs> so so the ham so the ham them in this and so the woman starts laughing because she's so embarrassed and she's so like out of her out of her comfort zone and by this is all in and and part of the indoctrinating akshay and i understanding the the politics of the dog park so, the etiquette of the dog park for all y'all listeners who end up going to a dog park and have a dog. By the way, everyone in Brunswick has a new puppy. That was our whole solution and strategy to lockdown. Everyone's puppy is like five months, six months, yeah. three months, four months. All, we old. all have yeah. the same age puppy. Yeah. And it's like, and so, and so. And so the etiquette is you only introduce your, you only ask about the dog's name, not the person who owns the dog. Do not try to be friends with the dog owner. You can only be friends with the dog. Wow. It's like wow. it is full on. And this is this is and this is the yuppie park. This is the park that has all the oodles, the cavoodles, the snoboodles, the 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 snickerdoodles, the oodles, 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 all the ones that are mixed with poodles, right? right. So, you know, it's like all the all, all the all the yuppies, you know. And I know I'm in that I'm in that pile as well. Anyway, so actually took it to actually took Obama to another park which was closer to our home, which like is a little less Yuppie and like more like you know grungy like artists, working class, Work, working class, working class, <laughs> blue collar dogs, blue collar dogs, and you and they and they act like blue collar dogs because they're they like do. because they're like most of them are from the kennel and are from like SPCA and like they're and like they run a lot and they're used to be out being out and fetching and stuff and so like Obama didn't have any any dogs he could relate to because the other dogs were like. Running over him, acting like dogs that live in the country, not dogs that live in, you know, their, like, three-bedroom, uh, two-story home with, with a little patch of grass in the back.
0: So you're saying that your dog is bougie. So
1: then, you're saying
0: your dog, is, your dog is bougie is what you're saying? I have. <laughs> you're raising
1: a bougie dog? Well, bougie like his mama. <laughs> bougie like his mama, papa. You know, bougie like his owners, you know. We like pretty things, and so does Obama. He likes pretty mm-hmm. dogs. He likes actually, mm-hmm. he actually likes smaller dogs that he can like romp on. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's the etiquette. I'm done talking about the dog. I'm done talking about the dog. But I had to say that because I was like, this is some. Sh- this is interesting. This is a whole other population of people that I'm learning about. And then every now and then you get someone who's actually nice and wants to talk. But in general, it's like. Don't try to be friends with nobody at the dog park. Which I kind of... It kind of makes sense because there's a lot of dogs at the park and you can't be everybody's friend and you're trying to get your dog to socialize and have fun and do their thing and get the fuck out of there. You know, you're not there to make friends. And I think it's just a general etiquette to just show up, smile, laugh about each other's dogs, and then get out. <laughs> I guess so. I guess. How well, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's a new world. It's a new world. <sighs> so that was a really interesting little banter we had there Yeah. <laughs> going back uh-huh. and forth and, mm-hmm. and, re- and connecting our, our, our listeners to, you know, who we are and what mm-hmm. we're doing at the, at the moment. And it just kind of feels like a really lovely segue.
0: I see what you did there. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> did you see what I did there? I see what you did there. Yeah. Oh, that's lovely. That's lovely. So, so in knowing what I've done, What are we going to do?
0: We are talking about storytelling today. Storytelling
1: in all its forms.
0: Storytelling as a medium. Story in the theater. Um, Obviously, you know, we've talked about playwrights. We've talked about the kinds of plays that playwrights do. But what does it actually mean, storytelling? Going back to its roots going to the different kinds of mediums of storytelling today. We are such, I I, I talk about this a lot in my workshops that I'm doing right now. We are such huge consumers of story right now that, you Mm. know, when we were growing up, we had, you know, we, we didn't have cable, really. Cable was just coming in, and you were lucky if your family had cable. So you had 2, You were lucky five, if you had more than two channels. Yeah, you, you had 2, 5, <laughs> 11 and 36 is what you had. Those were the channels that you had, and you had to watch what those
1: things were. And it but all now, went off at, at midnight. <laughs> that's true.
0: They played the, play the national anthem, and it went off, and then you were screwed. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But there's so many things that we can watch on TV, film, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok. There's so many things that we have become incredible consumers of story. So our audiences are much more educated of the structure of story now. And Mm -hmm. if we continue to try and still tell the same stories in the same way, uh, Mm -hmm. they're going to get ahead of it. So what is storytelling now? Where does storytelling come from? Where is storytelling going? So that's, that's the end of the story. (laughs) <laughs> that's all that's the, the story i story. came to tell
1: yeah. <laughs> well, I look you, you, and this is the thing is because um how you tell the story and what is the story is i think really interesting because so they you know looking at style and aesthetic that's that's that there's a vast way of doing that um, and so I'm really excited to talk about this because I, I, you and I both are really into storytelling, you know? Absolutely. And, Absolutely. <laughs> and so it's like, you know, like if I walk in and I don't understand the story, I, I, I disengage. So let's take a break. Yeah. I think we need to call on Purple Planet um, mm-hmm. and then we can come back and talk about story. Yeah. Yeah. Take it away, a pu- purple planeta. Keyword pu- planeta. <laughs> oh. <laughs> we're back thank you purple planet 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 we're here talking about story in the theater storytelling in the theater story telling um i think what would be interesting to, before we begin is what would you def- how would you define storytelling adam story or storytelling well, let's look at storytelling because I, I we're we're talking about storytelling. So let's let's okay. talk about storytelling on this podcast. <laughs> okay.
0: So if I had to kind of just off the top of my head define storytelling, it would be the medium in which you convey story, the the medium in which you convey um, narrative or um, images or. <clears throat> Facts or thoughts or, um, yeah, I think I think that's I, mean, that, I, had to, I had to define story to get to storytelling because storytelling is how the how you do that thing. Story exists; it just mm. it's, it's sitting there as as written text or as a thought or as a memory. How do you then transfer? It's transference, transference of story from one person to another te- another person is storytelling.
1: Hmm. Well, I, I think storytelling is uh, very close to that, but I'm going to get a little, little closer to the heart. <clears throat> it's, it's how we learn about ourselves. Hmm. It's how we communicate a, uh, the elements of what it is to be a human being through whatever uh, images we give to another person. So I could be in a fantastical, like uh, elaborate fairy tale... But all the, all the elements of the fairy tale are connected to me as a human being. The only reason why we know how to understand a story is through our way of translating it in our body and our experiences. And so that's why we can fly into space and tell a story. That's why we can go into a village and tell a story. That's why we can stand in front of a class and tell a story. It's always, it connects us to our empathetic nature to be connected to one another when we tell a story it's to get um get across our humanity to another person Mm -hmm. that's why the the anecdotes that you and i often go into fall into our podcast because it's part of our storytelling Mm mm-hmm yeah. And when we train, when we're training actors and, and directors and makers, theater makers uh, uh, about story, it, it always comes from that sense of how do we connect it to ourselves so that we can transmit it to the other? Mm. When the story doesn't land, it's because we can't find the connection. And, it, yeah. and I'm not, and I'm not speaking of being linear. By the way, y'all, I'm not speaking of it's got to have you know a subject-verb-predicate kind of scenario, <laughs> you know. But it definitely has to have an uh, an an image that creates behavior that enlivens us. I mean, I look. So, I was just, I just, I just started rewatching Love Lovecraft Country mm-hmm. because the you know. I, I just I love that show and I was just really proud of the company because the they they got nominated for Best Ensemble and at the SAG Awards. So I'm and and I and I, I agree with that nomination, but I just wanted to go back into it and sink into it and not uh go into my, my analytical place, but just kind of fall into the story and the storytelling. And it's such good fucking storytelling, Adam. It really is. And I think what the reason and I th- what I love about it so much is it's like it's like a really good book. It's like I think I need to read um um The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe again. I think it's mm-hmm. time for me to watch The Neverending Story again. Mm-hmm. I think it's time for me to watch Arrival again. I think mm-hmm. it's time for me to watch uh season 1 of Lovecraft Country again because it it's like a fine wine. This is probably my third or fourth time seeing um episode 1 and it's still revealing itself to me. Yeah. It's such good storytelling. You know, so um and and what I love about good storytelling for myself and what I witness in others, it makes us active. It makes us respond. And what those cats are doing over at HBO, they have literally created a new genre of television yeah it's just it's 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 so it's so brilliant and so far ahead of what we've been given and 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 the the kind of uh uh popular storytelling of television netflix uh uh, miniseries television series that it's it's that when i went back to watch it again just the first scene y'all the first scene y'all i was like oh my god I, I fucking, I get it. I get it, and I love. And it's like, and th- and and it's what I love about it is because, like, waking up from the throes and shackles of the behavioral racist uh, um, mind is. It's just like it's just like this show. Like, if you just say that. If you put the if you if if you want to learn about racism and about American racism and how and how it seeps into the consciousness watch Lovecraft Country at least 3 times because your consciousness will also open up like a lotus blossom's like mine is with watching that with watching that story. So I just wanted to bring that in because because I knew we were, we were going to be talking about that today, and it, and I, I just witnessed it over the weekend. Just you know, revisiting that show—it's so good, y'all. Do you have a? Do you have? Do you have a? A piece that kind of opens up your understanding of, of good storytelling, Adam.
0: God, I don't. I mean, it's that I will go back and look at again and again and again. I'm not sure. I think there are. We all have in in a and of course we're talking about television shows because the go, this is the golden age right. of television right this is the, the storytelling of that is so <clears throat> yeah. impeccably good because you have the ability to develop a character over much longer time than either film or theater allows you to do and i can completely understand why a lot of playwrights have shifted over to do television because mm-hmm. one they're more in control and they have the ability over 13 hours or 22 hours or even multiple years to develop mm. uh, a mm-hmm. character. Um, I still think about The Wire. I will still
1: go back and watch The Wire from time to time. I'll go mm-hmm. back and watch... i will go to talk watch. about The Wire. Let's talk about The Wire. Talk about The Wire and let's talk about The Wire. You talk about The Wire and then we'll talk about The Wire.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I will watch The Wire. I'll watch West Wing and I'll watch... Um, Oh God, what's another one that I'm, I keep, I'll, I will do clips on YouTube. Just to remind me, I'll watch clips on YouTube of something to remind mm-hmm. me of the full episode because I've watched yeah. some of these things so much. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I think, you know, one in terms, in in terms of the wire of each season was looking at the same problem from a different lens. Mm. So there were characters we had in the first season that we would still, that we would still catch up with so we wouldn't lose them. But no longer were we looking at the, um, the drug epidemic and the, the horrible, uh, kind of, uh, Uh, governmental and policing system in Baltimore from the dealer's perspective. Then we were looking at it from the journalist perspective. Then we were looking at Mm. it from where the drugs came into Baltimore from. So Mm. we got to see, and it was written by a journalist who, who was writing about this problem in Baltimore as a journalist. And then he decided to go and turn that into a series saying, look, I've looked at it from every single Mm -hmm. angle. Here are the children's angle. Here are the cops angle. Here are all these things. So by the end of it, you don't know who's the good guy, who's the bad guy, who you're rooting for, who you are huh. wanting to be taken down. And everybody's a shade of gray. And you understand there's a, there's a commonality and a humanity to everybody that you can kind of go, wow, this is a real problem. It's not just good guys and bad mm-hmm. guys. And and he, here's, here's the good guys and there's the bad guys. It's, wow, everybody's a bad guy in this situation. Everybody wants to be a good guy in their own story there's no way out of this mm. if we keep moving <laughs> forward this way and that's what good that's good storytelling for me i think that's i think that's really kind of great i mean mm. Mm. the same thing with say the west wing i mean yes the west wing is liberal porn for all of us who you know survived the last 4 <laughs> years but at the same time at the same time we want to believe in good government and as it was written mm. they didn't shy away from making the president the president had a huge lie. His The lie about his his disease um, is a big part of the mm-hmm. series for like two, three years. And yes, he's good otherwise. And he's the president we all want to have. But we always forget like, yeah, but remember he lied to the American people about this mm-hmm. thing that maybe they wouldn't have had. It's, it's that thing of saying like, I love Obama as a president. I don't love Obama's immigration policy or how he has um, used drones so effective so effectively like i I can like i can like a person and not like their policies it's it's perfectly Mm -hmm. compatible to do that thing and it humanizes because you know um so i think good storytelling does that good storytelling does all sides uh goes deeper into something that you haven't thought about before or looks at it from a different angle um is effective in that way. So those are the those are the stories that I kind of go back to again and again and again. Beyond <clears throat> plays that I continue to just love looking at again and, again and again.
1: Well, that's the thing. It's like I was about to pop into some plays, but I just wanted to I I I will I will put the my our our wire conversation into another into another podcast because <laughs> I just I, the, and I was just going to say this. Like and you you're really good at forcing me to stay with the show. <laughs> You're so good at forcing me to stay with the show. Because you know I'm quick to quick to eject. Yeah. And you're yes. like, nobody, stay with it, stay with it's it, stay burn. with it. Slow burn,
0: you'll get it. Yeah. yeah,
1: stay with it. So now that you said this, I'm going to I'm gonna stay with it and go back into it. Oh, and you haven't I've finished heard, The Wire? I haven't finished the third episode. Oh, no, you have to get past
0: the third episode. You've got to give it a season. If you don't like it after the first season, then I will understand.
1: Okay, okay. I just, I just... I. I think just for me as an African-American, that storyline, for me, sure. i just tired of seeing sure. that. I'm just I was, tired of that story.
0: I, I understand that. But the thing is, I don't, think that you, I don't think that you have seen this story because instead of making the drug dealers the villains and stereotypical, there's a whole life to these people. Okay. There's a whole okay, life, watch. and a there's a there's a life and a reason, and if and and you're rooting, you're rooting for Bodhi. You're hoping. Okay. Oh God, I hope Bodie, I hope Bodie f- figures out. Uh, I hope Bodie figures out how to stop selling drugs, or I hope he survives this thing. I really don't like Stringer okay. Bell, but he's a really charismatic character, and
1: I can see what he's trying to do. Okay. I hope
0: I hope he figures out how to make this
1: happen. Yeah. Okay. 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 I'll I'll go back into it. I'll go back into it. But okay. So so. Flipping into plays, what plays? And you're not allowed to say Shakespeare, because we already know. That's fine. You're not allowed to go into Shakespeare. You're not allowed to go into to Chekhov. Ah, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> hmm You're not allowed to go into Shakespeare, and you're not allowed to go into Chekhov, and you're not allowed to go into Miller. You're not allowed to go... You're, you're, ooh, you're not allowed to choose an old white man. Or a young white man. you have, They have to be a woman or a person of color. What story do you keep going... What play... Whose play and story do you keep going back to? And I'm not allowed to say Lynn Nottage, And I'm not <laughs> allowed to say Dominique <laughs> Morisot. <laughs> wow. I got one.
0: Okay, you, you go, because I need to think about this.
1: There's actually... There's a playwright whose plays I have to keep going to because their storytelling always gets me. And I'm always like, fuck, you're good. God, I love you when you tell a story. Carol Churchill. Yeah. Carol motherfucking Churchill. My first Carol Churchill play was Top Girls. another my, my first uh carol Churcher play that I directed cloud 9 remember cloud 9 yeah i remember you that, remember that yeah. and i just okay so mad forest okay mad forest yeah everyone loves mad forest but i think the storytelling in cloud 9 i could read that play Over and over and over and over and over again. Because the way she tells the story of Victorian colonialism being so deeply embedded in our Western consciousness that we are still performing those values today. And the way she does it, through gender representation, through co- co- uh, colonization from colonial days to present day, uh, to queerness, to uh, ageism, to it's it. She touches so many points in that play so playfully that. You 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 can't help but sink into the hilarity of just how asinine these values are. I and 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 the way she she plays with men playing women and both in both realities. And there's something that falls into the the place of we're all human trying to figure this out and there's a system that is controlling and manipulating our, our actions and our points of view and the things that we do that we need to look at before we can start seeing that we are all human beings at the end of the day. I love that story. I love that story. And Top Girls, I'll go back, i go into Top Girls as well. Top Girls for me, I, I, I saw my first production of Top Girls was like a student, produ- was a, was like a studio production at, when I was a student at NYU. Cause you know, it's, a, it's always, you know, Top Girls was, it was a very popular educational tool um, when I was going to school. And also it's a great show for uh, all female cast, you know? Mm, yeah. Um, and uh, it it I was like when I first saw it, I was like, I have never seen anything like this before. <laughs> I was like, this is amazing, and look at all these women, and look at look at the, look at the all these different roles that society has put on women, and and when it comes down to it, it's once again people trying to make connection. And then I, I'll fall into another character, that I just that I I cannot wait to direct one day is. The Sriker. Yeah. The Scriker is magic. That play is magic. Yeah. And the ways that she manipulates language in the Sriker, it it's it oh, It's the best way to tell a story about teenage pregnancy. <laughs> How, that mind that woman has it's just like yeah, so that's that's one storyteller that I absolutely love. That is that is not um dusty old white man. And then if I if I want to go into a director's storytelling, Ariane Minoushkin, mm. the way that she tells story through example, with a lack of suspense, but it's example after example after example after example after example, and by the end, your body has fallen into all these different examples that you cannot separate yourself from what's happening on stage. Yeah. And then George C. Wolfe, African-American queer man. I told you about my favorite play. Yeah. The Cuddled Museum. That play, you know, as a a young queer um, African-American boy, um, that play changed my life. I didn't. I, it 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 spoke to me on such a deep level that I was like, I I I had never felt seen before in anything that we had ever done in school or read in school, and I was always I was always translating and trying to figure things out. And it was so close to my it was so close to my core that all the stories within that the 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 story of African to be an African American is not a monolith. Mm-hmm. We are all of these things. Okay. Mm. Your turn. I gave you time. I gave you time. I gave you time, heterosexual cis white male man. <laughs> white male man. A white male man. You're a white male man. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting because I can name plays, but I can't say play I mean, I can say the play right, but i I don't go into all of their works because here, because the thing is and this is not me trying to make excuses at all i've been sitting here trying to figure out what is the thing, and it's something that I think Galtney will will remember me saying we had a we had a, a kind of an early weekend our first week of Columbia, where the directors meet the playwrights and we kind of get paired up and, you know, kind of say, here's your relationship for the next three years, make a friend with playwrights so they can write things for you and that you can direct things for them. And I very stupidly, but honestly, went in there and said, look, I, I tend to deal with classics. I prefer classic works. Mm-hmm. I prefer works where the playwright's not in the room with me. I don't do well with new works. And of course, I made no friends with these playwrights at all. Nobody wanted to work with me. <laughs> Somehow somehow, Galtney wanted to work with me because, you know, he's dealing with dead playwrights as well. So he's okay with, I guess, that. Um, and that's – so the majority of the work that I tend to do is classic work or adaptations of classic work. So I like individual work by individual authors, but I don't necessarily like their entire canon of work. Um, so I can say something like um, – I can say something like uh, – Terrell Lava McCraney's, uh brother sister plays mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and the structure of those, but I don't necessarily like uh, Head of Passes.
1: You know, Head. Of, it's just the. That's a good story. That's a good. That's a really good play.
0: <laughs> it's a great play, but but I I don't have any I don't have any affinity to it. I don't have any I don't have any kind of like I will go back and read that again. Um, kind of kind of thing to it, but um. You know, in terms of structure, I like uh, Susan Laurie Park's 365, 365 Plays, 365 Days. She wrote a play a day for an entire year. Some of them are really crap and some of them are, like, really amazing. And you can see her planting seeds that are going to pay off later on. Like, she literally is mm. planting the seeds for Father Comes Home from the War um, mm. in the 365. So I like that. I like, again, this as talking back uh, what we were talking about with Taylor last week. I like the, th- the thought of an entire century spread out of 10 plays in August Wilson, but it's one of those things where like, I'm never going to direct an August Wilson play. I shouldn't direct an August Wilson play. So I don't, I don't go back and I look at them again. But if, if I'm thinking of structure, I think that way. Um, I like the playfulness of Keen Nguyen's plays, but I don't like any particular one of the plays that I will go, wow, this is the one that speaks to me every single time. So I'm, again, I'm, I'm mostly focusing on structure. um, from every from the contemporary playwrights, more than I'm thinking about their story telling. But what? But now that I say that, is storytelling and structure mm-hmm. uh, inextricable from, or, or can they be pulled apart from each other? So maybe that is the case. Maybe maybe rethink that.
1: I think you um, should because they they I think they're connected. They're like Siamese yeah. twins.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Can you do a Maria Irina Fornes play? and not have her structure be in mind what she what is is what she's talking about and how she's talking about it are they foreign to each other no they're not of course not mm.
1: Mm. so I tell to, me re- i need to rethink well, that. tell me some storytelling tell me what's what what plays have storytelling that you could go back to over and over again you know, and they include the structure of how they tell it. Cause I was essentially talking about the way that Churchill structures her plays to tell the yeah. story.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right.
1: And same with Arya Minushkin.
0: Yeah, man, I need to think about this. This is I've I have been thinking about this all wrong, all all wrong and all differently. I need to re I need to restructure my my thought into this.
1: To hmm. hmm, huh. So, what well, that? It's like it's like what Taylor was saying is like, you know, when you have that pro Like, what what what? What, what did he want to become? What kind of scientist did he want to become? <laughs> like molecular biologist. Yeah, that's what that thing. When he was talking about <laughs> what, what molecular biologists do, they they blow up a protein, yeah. you know, and then they see what are the components of it right yeah and i think that's what's happening with us right now with stories we're blowing up the concept of Mm storytelling yes and we're seeing all the elements that are connected to telling the story yeah it's almost when you think of like it's essentially it's it's all the elements that that are so i think that's the reason why you're you're kind of getting stumped because it is a part of the storytelling it is it is a family member
0: because it's because it's exactly how I started. I, tr- I tried to ask you, which one do I define, story or storytelling? And you said, yes. You know, <laughs> that's, that's – and, and my mind is still stuck in story. And so I don't – I'm not as interested in the contemporary stories that are being told. Not mm-hmm. because I don't think that they're right or, or, or interesting or whatever. It's like, I'm just not interested. Like, there's not, there's not a white male playwright that I can tell you I follow their work, contemporary work either. But I <laughs> because I've been focusing on structure the entire time, I've been focusing from my perspective on how it's put together. Or I've been focusing on what it's saying, not on how it's put together.
1: And so, but you, and what you're dealing with is your aesthetic. Your aesthetic is yeah. you're looking at a structure. Right, we're going back You're to right. that term, y'all aesthetic. it's his taste. It's the thing that that you know he likes the taste of it. he likes the taste of structure and it, you know it hits the palate in the right spot, you know, so but we're talking about storytelling, mm-hmm. and it's it's like when we sit down at the campfire, what parts of the story pull us in? It's when we have an aesthetic relationship to the components and the details of how we're telling the story it could be it could be the structure it could be it could be uh, the voice the your your oration like martin luther king or maya angelou it could be the music that, that the underlay of music or the music that's accompanying the song that you're singing to tell this story But ultimately, it's about the connection to your audience. Because it's bad storytelling if the audience can't come along for the ride. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, And I think the other thing is, underneath all of the storytelling is this playful desire to share it. Even when it's a scary story. Even when it's a story of... Even when it's a story of, you know, your of your clan. You know, if we're going into a ritual space, like we're telling a story that's been told throughout the years, that's this story's been passed on for generations and generations. You know, this is why, you know, I love the First Nations people here, especially the Aboriginal people, because... Um, they've been on this land for eons, telling stories for eons, passing stories and information for eons. They survived the ice age. Why is storytelling so important? To pass on tribal information, to pass on genetic information, to pass on cultural information, it's an, it, it is, I, th- I think that storytelling is the quickest way for someone to understand the information they're supposed to be receiving.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Which is why when we talk about, you know, when you were talking about the, the origins of theater, the, you know, the first theater performance happened because we, asked, we gathered in a circle and someone got up and told a story. The storyteller, the or the orator. All of the all of the, the great um, um, theater aesthetics around the world come from the orator. Mm-hmm. You know, the Mahabharata Vedas were spoken. Everything was spoken. Nothing was written first. First came the vocalization of the word, not the written word. You had to express yourself. First, and realize, oh, oh, we need to write this down. This is some this is some good shit. That's a good story, you know. And I, I'm thinking it may it makes me think of you know my teacher Ganga Ji when she talks about in her book, um, a diamond in your pocket. There's a story. I'm going to tell you the story of the diamond in your pocket. So there's this. Jeweler who has just gone to get this really expensive beautiful diamond and there's a thief that watches the jeweler go in and purchase this diamond and a thief said I am going to get that diamond I'm going to follow this this jeweler and I'm going to get it the first chance I get because I am one of the greatest thieves in the world and he continues to follow the jeweler, but he can never find the diamond. And it gets to the end of the day. And the, he's, he stops the jeweler and says to the jeweler, I must say something to you. I am a great thief. I saw that diamond that you bought. And I've been trying to find that diamond that you, that you just bought to steal. And the jeweler turns to him. And he says, I know, I saw you when I purchased it. And that is why I put the diamond in your pocket. And the moral of the story is, the diamond is always in your pocket. The diamond of awareness, the diamond of of your spirituality, the diamond of your connection to God, the diamond of your soul, the energy of life, that pilot light that we talked about that I got from T. D. Jakes from in, from um, in, uh, um instinct instinct, that pilot light, that diamond, and then she goes on to say to talk about we grow up believing in many cultures because a philosophy. And that um, I think, therefore I am. But in actuality, it is, I am, therefore I think. And that is the reason why we have storytelling. I have an experience. I have something that needs to be shared. I've got this story I must tell you. I transfer information to you. And as I'm transferring information to you, I'm transferring soul information to you. I'm uploading consciousness to your consciousness. That's when we fall into a really good story because it taps into our humanity in ways that we had never thought of before. That's some good storytelling. Hmm.
0: <laughs> when the consciousness when the consciousness expands,
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> that's some good storytelling. And you know, I like and I like storytelling that that is accompanied by laughter and joy as well. We naturally expand with laughter and joy, so it just creates that opening. That's why I think one of the you know one of the Shakespearean. Um, uh, uh uh structural uh uh um rhetorical uh um devices is to get just before something really tragic happens, he brings in a clown to open up your heart to soften yeah. you up yeah that's why we get to the gravediggers before we before we see the death of Ophelia yeah It's why there would be satyr plays in after the Greek plays.
0: Mm-hmm. in in, in, be, in between in between the greek plays there's the satyr plays yeah
1: mm-hmm. so i think we should take a break yeah i think we should take a break and i think we should come back with some provocations okay I think we should come back with some provocations. We've had some good some good chat around storytelling, but I, I would love to come back and, and get them telling some stories and, t- and, and and figuring out the provocations around that, yeah? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Take it away, purple planet. Duh. back and we're back and we're back We're talking about storytelling y'all and it's provocation time adam Booty. <laughs> shall i go first um or do you have something burning in you did you figure it out
0: i, I have something burning i'm not sure if i figured it out or not I, it, i'm gonna tell a long story to get to my provocation, I think beautiful, let's do it come it, on it's a it's gonna be a roundabout, so just bear with me here for a second because there's a lot of things burning here there's there's a lot of stuff that's been brought up in this conversation of of me making a lot of realizations of i guess limitations I've put on myself mm. of things, okay, so. We'll start – well, first off, we'll start with the conversation we had with Taylor last week who was talking about just read, just read lots and lots of plays. And he gave us you know, places we could go to to look at and just kind of read a play a day kind of thing. And I need, to go, I need to go and start doing that because it used to be my consumption of plays were the plays that I would go and see. So I would go and see a copious amount of plays, like, I mean, a good part of my salary – for every single job I've ever had, has gone to traveling the world and seeing plays or being locally and seeing plays and just consuming a lot of plays. I would go, you know, three times a week to go see a play, and I was really proud of that. There's a story of a guy named Marvin Carlson. He's, um, I guess he's a professor at, at uh, Barnard College. Um, really well-respected uh, academic theater person. And the story goes that he has gone to see a play a day for the past 30 years. That he has seen a play every single day of his life for the past 30 years. He
1: lives in New How York. How the hell so can pop- you do that? Okay. I was like, where the it's, hell is this man singing a, a play yeah, a day? I
0: mean, I mean it's, it, it doesn't mean it's good stuff. And, and, it, it, and there's questions about whether this could be considered a play <laughs> or a cabaret or whatever. But he, but it's possible to possibly do that. You have to spend a lot of time doing that. And that sounded like me to the most amazing, most amazing life. But I would do that... Rather than read plays, because I mm-hmm. again I had put in my mind that contemporary plays are not where my interest is because of the story, not because of the structure. Okay, so that's part one. Part two is mm-hmm. uh, an article I came across today, and I'll put in the show notes one of my favorite theater companies here in Mexico, um, and the name I'm going to mess up because I don't see it in front of me, but La still Torada de Sol which basically translates to throwing lizards at the sun. That's the name of the company, throwing lizards at the sun. That's it's a an great awesome name. name. It's a fantastic <laughs> name. And they they do really amazing beautiful uh works that are highly highly political but with a lot of heart. And they wrote an article this week uh responding to Jerome Bell, who is choreographer, director, um really interesting uh artist and he he said um Theater people, we need to stop traveling for work. We need to stop uh, wasting resources to um, to perform work. We need to be more uh, conscientious of our of the environment and our our impact on that. And a lot of people get like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. That's fantastic. Of course, we need to do that. <laughs> we can boycott and not go to festivals and do all that. And this company from Mexico, <laughs> this company from Mexico said. Um, That's spoken from a lot of privilege right there. You as Jérôme Bell, uh, you know, uh, artistic director and choreographer in France, uh, getting invited to these festivals. That's really great for you to be able to say that. And Mm. on one level, I agree with you. Wait, did you say Jérôme
1: Bell? Jérôme Bell. Yes. You know I performed. You know I d- performed I know. in Jaron Bell's piece. I
0: know. I know. He's <laughs> and, been, he has he's been everywhere. Poor. He has been everywhere and he performs everywhere. And now he's saying that I he shouldn't. I work for Jaron Bell, y'all. Yeah. And he has performed everywhere. <laughs> and and, and, and now by he- the
1: way, he directed us on Zoom. He didn't even come. Maybe that's why he didn't come. <laughs> that's exactly. That's exactly why. So
0: so uh, what the what these guys were saying from La Gertia Sol Sol is um, – the privilege of being able to say that is the privilege of having a train system in France that you can take anywhere else in Europe. The privilege of being invited to festivals or to commission mm-hmm. something. But mm. not every single country has a working train system. Not every country can pay their artists locally. Um, so yeah. – and and what does it mean for an audience to only be able to see the work that is in that, that, that is in their – a uh, locality that does not come in, that does not travel. And what does it mean for an yeah. audience to not to be able to travel somewhere else and see that? So again, that's my mindset of going, I have always viewed theater this way. My provocation to myself as well, but to everybody else as well is there's a comfort zone of material that we are sticking in, whether it is watching or reading and my provocation to myself and to everybody else as well is um, we have nothing but time on our hands right now. Take that time to go outside of that comfort zone into something that you had made a comment about in the past, or a manifesto in the past, or a statement in the past that that's, I don't like these things. I don't do these things. And I, my provocation is to question that. And to test if that theory still applies, Mm. do I still not do contemporary work working with playwrights 15 years after I made that statement? (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to read a lot of contemporary plays Mm -hmm.
1: this coming next week. That's wonderful. Maybe moving forward. That's wonderful. I mean, go to killroyce dot com yeah
0: yeah there's great I mean there's all kinds of lists out there that 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 are available, as Taylor said last week there's you know there's some really good stuff and there's some really bad stuff, but that will yeah. also help you understand
1: what is bad storytelling, will help you understand what good storytelling is, and if you see anything good, let me know, especially if it's <laughs> nine plus cast members. <laughs> Education, y'all. It's all about oh, the numbers. It's all about the numbers. All about exactly. the numbers. God, about yeah. the numbers. <laughs> okay, so storytelling. It's 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 my provocation, yeah? Yeah. So I think I'm gonna tell a story as well. I think I'm gonna tell a story as well. Um and and it's going to be connected to my provocation. So I had a moment. It's, and, and, and this is a story that um, has just come into my, uh, my canon of stories uh, that, I, that I share publicly. I, I just recently shared this story with um, uh, the first years at the VCA uh, when, on our first day. So if they're listening, if y'all listening, I'm telling the story, I'm telling the story again. Um, But I actually, but it's, and I just need to give that preface because I first shared this story publicly, like in this way with the first years of the VCA, because they inspired me to tell the story. Um, And I think, you know, the story, Adam, Um, but, and you know how much, you know, how much I hate racism. Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> and you know how much uh, uh, you know the racist structures of America are embedded in my psyche as an African American queer boy. You know that. Yes, and our audience knows that as well from listening to us. Um, but I had a moment. I had a moment of real deep healing for myself in the habits, the habitual triggers of, of, of survival for my Black body in spaces where uh, a white uh, uh, body was in control. And this happened on one of my flights from Singapore to America when we were living in singapore and when we when i would fly from singapore to america i would fly singapore airlines and the uh the um the layover would happen in frankfurt germany and the, and uh, it, it never happened on the way to singapore but it always happened on the way to america we would always have to disembark from the plane and go through security again before we got back onto the plane and so i disembarked off the plane and uh i went through security and uh and this was one of the first times they started swabbing your carry-on bags um and they swabbed mine and it beeped and i and i freaked out and i was like because right in front of me were these two german soldiers these two white german soldiers it was a woman and a man and they had these, you know, huge sem- like semi-automatic rifles in their hands, like looking very scary. Mm-hmm. So as I'm looking at them, I'm thinking Gestapo. I'm thinking Nazi Germany. <laughs> my brain just flips. I just flip, yeah. man. And and then it's but it's but it's charged by my experience as a black person in America, and I sh- and I am literally in terror. I start stuttering I'm like and I'm and I, and I, I can't help it I just go I I'm really I'm really scared I'm afraid right now I'm and and I'm I'm in trauma and they're looking at me confused and so then I'm thinking I'm going oh my god they they now now and now I'm just told, now I'm a suspect because I I look I look I'm I'm nervous and I I'm, I'm I'm sweating and I I can't speak and they're going to think that there's something wrong with me they they're, they're going to take me in a back room and they're going to they're going to you know abuse me And then the the soldier said hey 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 calm down calm down this happens it's 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 not a big deal you don't have anything, do you? And I was like, No, 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 I don't have. He goes, Calm down, calm down. They're like, This happens. Do you light incense? And I was like, Do I light? Do I light incense? <laughs> yeah, I light incense. They're like, Yeah, yeah. It, that often happens, just to relax. And then they, and then the two soldiers went, Oh, because they were taught. Because I was speaking in my American accent, and they're like, So, is it? true what we see on the news in america with the police and it's like yes it is it's very true and i started breathing and i was like yes it is it's very true and they were like oh no 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 no. relax 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 you're in germany (laughs) you're safe and i everything just fell away and i was like oh my god and i just started talking to them i say like, yeah that's what that what you see is true like oh no 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 we're not like that here and, and they're totally talking to me like a human being <laughs> they're totally talking to me i'm having this conversation yeah. they're looking yeah. uh, the, you know the other person's like d- digging in my bag and looking at stuff and like everything's fine and and i was finally let me go and i was like they're like have a good nice flight and i said thank you so much and that moment i was like Oh my God, it's, and I think that for me was one of the beginning moments of decolonizing my mind around from the racism that I grew up with as I'm, as I am a world traveler now. I mean, when I was in when I was, all the times that I was in Indonesia, I used to always go, these police officers in Indonesia do not look like police officers. That, they're, <laughs> they're like, you know, they're holding hands, hanging out, you know. Yeah. They kind of wave you through. I was like, what, ki- what kind of police officers are these? And, you know, and that softened me as well. But, like, that experience for me with, with these two white officers in front of me changed me exponentially. Mm-hmm. You know, it changed me. And I'm telling this story now because I have a feeling that this story is going to change the listeners as well. Because I witnessed the calibrating energy that happened in our class, where we all came together and said, Yeah, that's fucked up. That is fucked up. And it's fucked up that you had to have experienced that because you are a great person, Booty. You are greatness. You know, and to be to put yourself in these psychological spaces that diminish your, your 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 greatness and your power as a human being is is it's important to tell your story. It's important to have this to have storytelling so that this story gets through. So my provocation for y'all is: what stories do you tell, and how do you tell them? Because it's the how that you tell them that be- goes into the storytelling. You know, we were talking about the why a couple podcasts ago. And I think we're now actually in the how because that's yeah. the storytelling. Yeah, how do you tell them? Are you going to tell them through through your dance? You're going to tell them through your, your songwriting. Are you going to tell them through your playwriting and you tell them through your acting? Are you going to tell them through your acting through this character as your body in this space? How do you t- How is your storytelling received? because we're all storytellers. So look at look at look at the stories that you tell a lot and see how you are used to telling them and I'm going to I'm going to jump onto Adam's provocation and say, "How can you tell that story in another way?" So how can I tell this story in another way? That's my provocation. How can I tell these stories of of decolonizing my mind past my pain. My own personal pain. That's my provocation to myself. How do I move past my generational pain as an African American, as a queer African American? (laughs) 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 Oh, Lord. Lord, Lord, Lord. What a great day, huh? Mm.
0: Interesting. It's interesting to... It is a great day when you're confronted with... Um, I don't want to say weakness, but when you're confronted with your own... The wall that you have put up yourself. Mm. A, a wall mm-hmm. that you a, a, that you've put up yourself and you've just been staring at the wall and you didn't even realize that there was a wall there and that you can mm. knock that wall down and look at the other side yeah
1: oh my yeah. goodness that 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 <laughs> you know me and my segues and that just totally makes me think of the the workshop that i'm going to be doing and because it's all about yeah. releasing the walls, right? It's yeah. all I, I, you all know that I'm a Fitzmorris teacher, uh, associate Fitzmorris teacher, and you know that I'm in Australia and and on, in Southeast Asia and and um, uh, the Southern Hemisphere, and we are doing the work on this side of the on this side of the world. We're doing um, three day Zoom sessions with um, four teachers up uh, uh, that teach the work, um, and. Uh, it's at the end of this month. Mar- it's 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 at the end of March. It's the end of this month. Adam, did I, I sent you the details? Can you read the details for everyone? Yeah. Because it's, it's 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 I think y'all are gonna like this, um, because what we're gonna do is we're uh, each day we have sessions and then we have breakout sessions in the breakout rooms and going even deeper into the practice. And it's all about releasing those holds, releasing those habitual holds that we have in the body, and letting that letting the the structure. Uh, uh, find that sense of I am. I am alive. I am this human being. I'm not this story that I'm telling. Because the story is attached to the physical tension in your body. It's attached to the story that that the musculature is saying, this is how I hold myself. As booty, I hold myself this way. But then with the Fitzmorris work, it releases you back into your anatomical stability and shows you how your imagination is connected to your autonomic nervous system and your sense of freeing your voice, your imagination, your acting, and your awareness as a human being in space and play. What's what are the what are the details? What are the details? So the workshop is Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Friday the twenty sixth,
0: Saturday the twenty seventh, and Sunday the twenty eighth of March coming up soon. Uh, mm. And there's early bird special uh, up until Friday the nineteenth of March. That's also coming up really soon. Mm. Um, there are different times. Uh, so Wellington. Uh, Australia time and Mang- Bangalore. So uh, there's a we'll we'll have all this information on the website. This will be linked in the show notes below. But there's a time time zone calculator. So even if you're not uh, in those time zones, you can figure out how to wake up at three o'clock in the morning and take these workshops. Um, mm. So yeah, all this information will be on the website in our training section, uh, and it'll be linked in the show notes here on the podcast below, and it will take you to the Fitzmorris Institute where. Additional information and registration will happen.
1: Yeah, you, you just go to the just go to the Fitzmorris Institute, and you'll find all the workshop information there, and you'll get the bios of of the teachers there as well. If you if you aren't able to make this workshop, you can find uh, maybe a workshop in in your neighborhood. But what's great about this is it's on Zoom, and we'll be able to connect with you from all these different parts of the world. So for all my students who love the work, it's time to get back on board, y'all. Get back into the work, and I'm teaching. Hello, I'm teaching. There you go. Ooh. What are you waiting for? <laughs> exactly. Get in so on So, Adam, yeah. I have a qu- one more question. Yes. How will we know that they've done their provocations?
0: <laughs> well, hopefully, they'll go to speakpipe.com backslash theater of others. Again, speakpipe.com backslash theater of others. Theater Brothers, all one word. You can leave a 90-second voice message there uh, sending us uh, questions that we will then read uh, and we will uh, answer on one of our uh, knee conversations. Uh, you can send us a provocation if you want us to do something or if you think we're a bunch of mm. – uh, we're full of some BS. You can also <laughs> send Bullshit. an email. You can also send an email to podcast at com. Uh, you can go to our website, leave a message for us there. Go to the Facebook, go to the Instagram. You can leave us all. There's all kinds of ways you can get in contact with us. Oh, the gram,
1: us. the gram. Well, you know, you the, only, the best way to, to stay connected with us is to subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Exactly, exactly.
0: <laughs> and, um... And of course, we want to hear from you. You know, we, we enjoy we enjoy hearing back, and we we've got a lot of questions coming up. So we're glad to. You know, normally we have a knee conversation every every other month or something like that because we have enough knee. Uh, com- uh, questions to to do that, but we've got another deep conversation coming up uh, mm. almost immediately, based off mm. of uh, more more questions we have coming. So it's, it's based really off
1: great. of your enthusiasm from coming in, getting into the conversation. Y'all jump in this conversation. We are serious yeah. when we say we want to hear from you. We really Absolutely. want to hear from you. Absolutely, you know? and we're so glad we do <laughs> hear from you. Hey, yeah. are we still are we still to like uh, taking um, uh, submissions for uh, radio plays? We sure are, and
0: boy, I want to see more i I really want everybody to do something we're mm. not asking we're not asking for the for the ten pages now we're asking for the idea and the yeah. time for you to then commit yourself to that so yeah. uh the uh audio new play festival uh we'll be uh releasing in September and October on this medium on our podcast we're gonna help mm. you produce uh we'll take care of all the all the uh administrative and uh, producing costs to get your play out there. You just take care of your play. And, just submit, uh, submit, submit. Submit, submit, submit. And so you can find that information on our website. You can uh, email us at info at of um, we'd love to. We'd love to uh, kind of promote your work, promote your company, yeah. promote you as a playwright or a director or actors, whatever it is. We want more –
1: and better work being put out there. Storytelling time, y'all. It's storytelling time. We need your stories. We need your stories. We need your stories. They are vitally necessary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ooh. whoa that was that was a that was a podcast y'all that was a podcast well it's storytelling you know adam and i are big storytellers you know that's right and we yeah. love storytelling so it makes sense it makes sense <laughs> but i think we should get out of here adam i think we should get out of here yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so good to go. see you it's, it's so so amazing. good to
0: see you amazing to see you every single week
1: yeah, and congratulations on all your wonderful news. Congratulations you. you're getting married. Yes. My best friend is getting married to fan, <laughs> to fan, to fa- fa- fan. And he's moving to Cairo. <laughs> oh yeah. Changes so cool. Coming. It's yeah. so cool. Well, I'll see you soon. Yeah, I'll see you very soon. Mm, we'll talk to you all soon. Until then, Bye.
0: Thanks for joining us this week on the Theater Brothers podcast. Make sure to visit our website, theaterbrothers.org where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, or via RSS so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. A special thank you to Purple Planet for the music you've heard. The Theater of Others creates a shared community of artists and audiences for the purposes of exploring the most profound issues of our lives and time. We believe the play watches the audience. The audience is necessary, and they are witness to what happens. And you get to be witness to us making that happen. The purpose of this podcast is to open up our process and let you in. We're peeling back the curtain, so to speak, and encouraging you to follow along, to ponder, prod, and question, to join us and criticize us if need be. Being a witness is no passive task and requires much from you. Are you up for the journey? Be sure to tune in next week for our next journey.